He is risen. As we gather together on this joyous day of Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Easter is the most significant event in the history of the world, marking the culmination of Jesus' earthly ministry and the fulfillment of God's plan for salvation. On this day, we remember the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross, dying for our sins and rising again on the third day, conquering death and offering us the gift of eternal life. The resurrection is a reminder that even in the darkest of times, God's love and grace triumphs over all. We gather together today to celebrate the message of Easter. And that message is simply this. God loves you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to gather together to worship, Lord. And Father, to examine the proofs, your love that you have for each and every one of us. And God, would you bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. It was an amazing last week, the last week of the ministry, the public earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. It began with the triumphal entry into the city, and each and every day Jesus would come in and out of the city. He would be in the temple. He would be teaching the disciples and equipping them, preparing them for his departure. You'll remember that he celebrates the Last Supper with his disciples, and, and then he heads over into the Garden of Gethsemane where he surrenders to the will of the Father. He's arrested and taken before Annas, from Annas to Caiaphas, from Caiaphas to the Sanhedrin, and very early the next morning he is standing before Pilate. Pilate wants nothing to do with him and sends him to Herod, but Herod sends him back to Pilate again. And, and Pilate is washing his hands, wanting to please the crowd, has him scourged, condemned to be crucified. Jesus carries his cross to Golgotha. Simon the Cyrenian helps him there. The women that have been faithful in following are with him. The Apostle John is there also. And, and Jesus breathes his last after hanging upon the cross for six hours. The sun is going down. Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pontius Pilate and has the body released into his care. Nicodemus, the one who had come to him by night along with Joseph, take Jesus' broken, dead body down off of the cross. The women are there watching. Sun is going down. They are racing against the Sabbath. And so they quickly wrap him in dressings, anoint his body, place him in the tomb. The stone is rolled over. It is sealed. Guards are place to watch over it and and the disciples uh, head 
inside. Sabbath has come. But there is no rest on this Sabbath. It is a dark, dark time for the disciples. They cannot fathom, they cannot imagine, they cannot believe the events that have transpired, that they have seen and experienced the Lord crucified and buried and dead and gone. Sundown to sundown, the Sabbath is celebrated and Saturday evening, the Sabbath ends when the second star appears visible and the women are concerned. They gather together. Jesus was hastily buried, bloody, the scourging, the crucifixion. He needed to be washed carefully, tenderly, anointed, given a proper burial. The thought of a hastily prepared body was untenable. And so they went and purchased the, the spices necessary to anoint his body, but it was nighttime and so the tomb would be dark. And they made a plan to meet early, very early, the next day, Sunday morning, to go and to anoint and properly put to rest Jesus' body. Luke's gospel records now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, but they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. On their way to the tomb, the other gospel writers tell us that the women were concerned about how to get access to Jesus' body. The, the tomb had been sealed with a stone. It's big, it's heavy hard to roll, hard to move. And how would they be able to move that stone? But when they get to the tomb, they discover that the stone has already been rolled away. Matthew's gospel tells us, and behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. And his countenance was like lightning and his clothing is white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The stone was already rolled back, the seal was broken, and the soldiers guarding the tomb were rendered helpless, and they fled. The women uh, arrived, it says, and then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And the stone was rolled away, not so that Jesus could get out, but that others could enter and see for themselves that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead, just as he said that he would. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead. We see that these angels have been sent to these women to give them an important message. But notice that it began with a question. Why, why are you seeking the living among the dead? 
he is not here, but is risen. And remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. The angels sparked their memory. Don't you remember? Back in Galilee, he had said these very things to you, and and they remembered his words, and and then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And so the women... They have come out of the city. Jesus was crucified outside of the city and he was laid in a garment tomb that was nearby where he was crucified outside of the city. The women come out of the city gates and to the place where Jesus is laid. They had watched where he had been laid. And then when they meet with the angels, they return back into the city again to go and to find the apostles, the eleven. John's gospel gives us a little bit more detail that Mary was with those women when they first got to the tomb and the minute that she realized that the tomb was empty, she immediately races back into the city again. It says that it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles and Their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. They didn't believe them. When the women came back and told them how the angels stirred their memory that the tomb is empty and that he's risen, it says that they they thought that they were idle tales. It says, but Peter arose and ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. Peter runs to the tomb. John tells us that Mary had circled back immediately and had told Peter and John first that the tomb is empty. It says, Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Immediately she assumes now that his body has been stolen, it's been taken. She had departed before the angels met with the women and Now she runs to tell Peter and John that the tomb is empty and we have no idea where his body is. Mary's chief concern was to wash his body and to prepare it properly. That was the burden that was on her heart, but now she gets to the tomb and the body is gone. And now her concern is who has taken it and and the thought that now... She might not have that opportunity to be able to prepare his body properly and the tomb is empty. We don't know where they have laid him. And Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and 
were going to the tomb, so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. John gets there first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. The body of Jesus was gone, but the wrappings of Jesus were still there. And John looks at at this. How can the body be gone and the linen cloths still be lying there? Yet he didn't go in. He's processing. He's looking. He's trying to understand. And then Simon Peter following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloths but folded together in a place by itself. That wherever the body of Jesus was, he's not in the grave clothes, and and the handkerchief that was over his face is now neatly folded and set off to the side. And then the other disciple who came to the tomb first, I love that. That's John's gospel. John lets us know that he won the race. (laughs) That he went in also and he saw and believed. John is the first one that connects the dots. By seeing the empty tomb and the grave close and recognizes that he's been raised from the dead. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. And then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now they depart. The women have come and gone. The two disciples show up. And they depart back into the city. And now Mary, who has come to the tomb and gone back to the city to tell John and and Peter now, makes her way back outside the city and back to the tomb again. But when she gets there, the other women are gone and Peter and John are gone. And nobody's there. In John's gospel, it tells us, but Mary stood outside by the tomb, weeping. She's just standing there weeping. Have you ever been at that point in your life where you are so overcome by sorrow, by grief, by loss, by confusion, that you don't even know what the next step is? Mary's entire life from the time that Jesus had cast the demons uh, out of her had been in devotion to the Lord and following him wherever he went in his earthly ministry, Mary was there. And now he's gone. And now his body has been stolen and now she's not even going to be able to wash it and give it a proper burial. And she's just undone. She's just standing there just weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. 
and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. It was the minute that she heard Jesus speak her name, Mary. She had heard his voice speak her name untold number of times. And the minute that she heard him speak her name, she knew exactly who it was. And she recognizes him, <laughs> Rabboni. And she takes him and she hugs him in, in a bear hug. And, and Jesus said, do not cling to me. <laughs> For I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Mary is privileged to, to be the first one that saw the risen Lord. He appears to the other women as they are departing from the tomb and heading into the city. He will appear to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus in the same day. And, and then that evening, he will appear to the 10 apostles, the 11 minus Thomas. And these are the recorded events that took place 2,000 years ago on the very first Resurrection Sunday. What is the meaning of Easter? The meaning of Easter is that God loves you. That is the meaning of Easter. The resurrection is the greatest chapter, listen, of the greatest love story that has ever been. And you are invited into this story. You see, the resurrection punctuates the sacrificial act that was accepted by God that recovered the love that was lost back in the Garden of Eden. You see, when God first created mankind, when he first created Adam and Eve, he created them to experience and to enjoy a loving, intimate, 
eternal relationship with himself. He placed them in the Garden of Eden, and there they enjoyed fellowship and intimacy and love exactly as God had designed it. But in the same garden, Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan. He wooed them away from God. That serpent promised that if they would listen to him, that their lives would be better. He told them to disobey God and to eat the forbidden fruit. And tragically, they did. They turned away their allegiance from God and took the forbidden fruit. They ate it and rebelled against God. They broke their relationship of fidelity and trust and intimacy with their creator through their disobedience and sin entered into the world. As a result, God removed them from his holy presence. However, God never stopped loving them. He sent them out of the garden in their fallen condition, and he continued to love them from a distance. The distance that is always caused by sin. But he promised help. He promised that he would send a rescuer to restore back the communion and fellowship with him that had been lost. And throughout the rest of history, God continued to talk about this promised rescuer. God began to give details. He told of how this rescuer would come from his own special people. He established a nation from Abraham, and sent prophets to give more details about this Savior. And when all the details of this prophetic portrait were complete, he sent him, the Savior, the Rescuer, Jesus, exactly as he said he would. And during this time of separation, God instituted a system of sacrifice. If you wanted to draw near to him and ask him to forgive you of your sins, you could bring a gift and offer a sacrifice to him. Although your sins still remained, you could approach closer to him in this fashion. And one of the details about the Messiah that God revealed was that the rescuer that he would send would come as a sacrifice that God himself had chosen. And through the sacrifice that he sent, when the sacrifice was made, our sin would be removed and the world would finally have the remedy that God had promised. Jesus is that savior. Jesus is that sacrifice. John the Baptist testified of this when he saw Jesus on the banks of the Jordan River. John's gospel records the event, and the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Lamb of God, the sacrifice uh, from God who will take away the sins uh, of the world. 
And Jesus came and presented himself as the promised Messiah to the nation of Israel. He established his credentials through the miracles that he performed and all of the prophecies that he fulfilled. The portrait of the Savior that God would send was recorded hundreds and even thousands of years before the birth of Christ by hundreds of detailed prophecies. And Jesus, through his birth, through his life, and through his death, fulfilled them all. And that, in and of itself, completely proves his identity as the Messiah, as the promised Savior, as the Savior of the world. But there was one final sign that would be given, one irrefutable proof that Jesus is the Messiah, and that is the resurrection. The religious leaders demanded of Jesus that he show them a proof, that he give them a sign. And he answered and said to them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus himself said that the resurrection would be the final sign, would be the final proof. Of all the events in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is by far the most significant event that has ever occurred. It is as significant today as it was 2,000 years ago because the ramifications of that event are eternal. Jesus Christ did not just teach us about life and about death. When Jesus Christ walked out of that tomb, he proved emphatically that he is life and that he has power over death. The resurrection proves that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. The meaning of Easter, the meaning of the resurrection is simply this. God loves you. God has always loved you. Before the foundations of the earth were laid, God loved you. God knitted you together in your mother's womb. He drew you out. He breathed life into your lungs. And God has always loved you. And you are either a part of God's redemptive story or you are outside of his story. You see, the doorway that barred Adam and Eve from returning to the Garden of Eden and back into the presence of the Father has not only been removed, it has been replaced by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door now into the presence of the Father. Where before there were flaming cherubim that were set that prevented the access into the presence of the Father, Jesus now is that door. I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And today you are either standing on the outside or you have entered in through that door. Jesus expressed it another way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, God has done his part in rescuing you from eternal separation. He has sent the Savior 
his son, Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever should believe in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, this everlasting life is based upon the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. The resurrection of Jesus is the factual basis for everlasting life for those who put their belief in him. Now, Adam and Eve believed, listen, the lies of Satan. And they suffered greatly. Easter Sunday is the day that the whole world stops. And God asks a single question. Will you continue to believe the lies of Satan? The lie that says that your life is better lived apart from God than with him? Or is today the day that you step into my arms? The most important event in history requires you to make the most important decision that you will ever make. In a moment, I am going to invite you to come up to the front of the altar. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer of accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And listen carefully. Today, Jesus wants to go from being the Savior of the world to being your Savior. Jesus said, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny by my Father who is in heaven. By not accepting him, you are denying him. By not receiving the gift of eternal life, you are rejecting the gift of eternal life. But this is now your moment to enter into this story. This is your life. Nobody else can live it for you. Nobody else can make this decision for you. This is the day to step through that door. This is the moment to step into the waiting arms of your heavenly Father. This is the moment to step into the greatest story ever. And this is the moment for you to step into resurrection life. God's arms are open wide. You have been invited. The gift of eternal life waits for you to come and receive it. And so as we worship now this morning, I want to invite you to to stand up and come forwards to receive Jesus, to enter through that door and to enter into eternal life. If you want to receive eternal life, 
If you want to receive the gift of salvation, then you stand up and come to the front. Stand up and come now. Glorious day. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And the best news is, He is coming again. <laughs> and when He does, the dead in Christ will be raised up and those who are alive at His coming will be changed and receive new and glorified bodies. This is the hope and this is the promise that the resurrection guarantees. For the message of the cross, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. As we reflect each and every one of us, on the meaning of Easter. Let us renew our personal commitment to living a life of faith, hope, and love, following in the footsteps of our risen Lord. May this Easter Sunday be a time of great joy and celebration as we give thanks for the amazing grace that has been bestowed upon us. And may we be changed by knowing the truth that we are loved, that God truly loves us, that God truly loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we celebrate this day, Resurrection Sunday, the day that you promised that you would send the rescuer who would take away our sins, and Father, you were faithful, and Jesus, you were willing. And so we give you thanks and praise for the amazing gift of our salvation. Help us to continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is risen. Let's pray. Father, Lord, bless us and help us. We give you thanks and honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. May you have a glorious, glorious resurrection Sunday. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. peace.